Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Building an Empire State of Mind. So excited to have the fabulous Vina Jetty joining us this morning. Vina Jetty is the founding partner of Vive Funds, which is a unique commercial real estate firm that specializes in curating conservative opportunities for investors. She brings a dynamic perspective to targeting, acquiring, managing, and operating assets using best practices combined with cutting edge technology. She has raised over $50 million of equity in just short, in eight short weeks and has transacted over $900 million of real estate. Good morning. Hello, how are you? I am great, how are you? I'm great, it's amazing to be here. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, so thank you for fun. having me. Yes, it was so nice to, I was saying to uh, Carly the other day, it was so, uh, so the first time I ever saw you and was introduced to you, your name was actually at the Clever Summit Clever. Yep. Uh, last May. Yeah. And you came on and just the way you presented yourself, you spoke, I was like, okay, obviously I have to go onto Instagram and find out who this lady is. <laughs> and, yeah. And then it was really cool to go and meet you in Arizona, just so outside yeah. of that, like stage, you know, a, a totally. environment and just like such a, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was really interesting for me. I was like, oh, okay. So she's a real person. She has kids. Yep. She does things just like I do. <laughs> yep. Real person here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess what I, what I, oh, oh, I was going to say what I love about those types of events where like, okay, we should tell people we actually were hiking, <laughs> which if anybody knows me at all they know that i am not a hiker like it's just not i i complained the whole what were we an hour and a half two hours yeah, I, yeah. and i'm not someone who complains in general like i'm like oh the glass is half full and it's refillable and everything's great oh my gosh i was like this is the worst thing i've ever done i hate my life i was like as negative as I've ever been in my whole life within that <laughs> one and a half, two hours. So you got to witness that, unfortunately. Yeah, I think my favorite part was where you said you would rather go raise like $10 million than ever hike again in your life. 100%, yes. Yeah, it was a good perspective. Oh, it was um, hard. Yeah. So one question that I really wanted to ask you just leading into, you know, what I was talking about being a normal person and everything, I have to say a couple of weeks ago, you posted this video of, it was a reel and you were talking about imposter syndrome and quite yeah. honestly, my jaw dropped to the floor because <laughs> in my brain I had, it wasn't even in like the realm of possibility that someone who's accomplished everything you've accomplished and just like presents yourself so confidently that those two words are still even in your vocabulary. Oh my so God. yeah, I was just wondering, you know, how you've handled this in the progress of your career and sort of like what, yeah. And just like at every different level of success, how have you sort of, you know, overcome that to strive to the next level? You know, I don't know that I've really overcome it because I feel like what happens is like the more success you have, the better the rooms you're in and the more you're surrounded by people who have done like 
incredible things. And then you're like, wow, I really don't belong here. I don't belong here. And I actually, I read about this not that long ago when I was having a lot of imposter syndrome. And what I read about it was that actually a lot of, especially women in these like very niche or very male dominated spaces are actually really susceptible to imposter syndrome. And uh, like Bet, uh, not Bet Miller, uh, Meryl Streep, she talks about, like she's one of the greatest actresses on the face of the planet. She talks about having crazy imposter syndrome. Emma Watson's the same way. Sonia Sotomayor, who is a chief uh, justice for the Supreme Court, has imposter syndrome. And I started reading that and I was like, wow, this is really incredible. These women that we wouldn't think have imposter syndrome do. And so then I was like, okay, me reading and hearing from these other women who are clearly at the top of their game have these similar feelings and just knowing that I'm not alone in it was actually really empowering and really helpful for me. And that's when I was like, okay, well, you know, that means that other people in real estate, especially other women, but other people in real estate are having these exact same kind of concerns and internalized feelings. And so if you talk about it, then someone else is going to be in the same position that you were in when you're reading about all these other women that have had this. And so that's why I actually talk about it, but I don't know that you ever overcome it. I think you just acknowledge that this is something that is totally normal and there's levels to the game. And this is something that is going to continue happening throughout your career. Even when you're in the top level of where you, you can be, you're still probably going to feel those feelings and it's totally normal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just, the, the word normal there, I think it just really normalized it for me. Um, yeah. Just hearing like those words come out of your mouth and that it still exists. Right. I mean, I know for a lot of people who have seen like what I've done, they're like, Oh, you know, like you must be so proud or accomplished or, and they don't think I have imposter syndrome where I'm like, Oh my God, I am uncomfortable <laughs> every single day because yeah. I'm always pushing myself to be that like small fish instead of the big fish, the right? big fish. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And even sometimes when you are in a room where you have accomplished a lot, it can be intimidating for people to be like, Oh, what do I do about this specific problem? And you're like, <laughs> am I qualified to answer this? Do I know <laughs> the answer to this? Like, like for me, you want me to answer, you know, and that can be intimidating in its own way. Um, but what I realized is when you're responding to these questions, a lot of times, like, and you know, Pace actually says this all the time. You don't have to have read every book in the library. Mm -hmm. You just have to have read one more chapter than the person that you're helping. And I was like, okay, that like when that mindset shift happened for me I was like for me I can get on board with that because I've read more chapters than a lot of people but I haven't read every book in the library and I certainly still make mistakes I'm still learning I'm still trying to be better so that's definitely something that still is changing for me I've never heard that analogy but of course he's great with his stories right. and analogies I had always heard like similar you're the most qualified to teach the person you just were Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that, yeah. I, and Pace is like the king of analogies and yeah. he's so good at that. He's so yeah. good at that. Uh, but yeah. when he said that, I was like, yeah, that, okay. That exactly makes sense to me. Yeah. I have a question. When you did your first big multifamily, like your first, like, oh my God, this is so much money. What was your, like, 
what was your like mindset and going in there and like pushing through it? And like, how did you like, do you, yeah. how did you do that on your first one? Because we're all like, Oh my God. It's so big. Yeah. So um, big. Well, okay. Here's the secret. Every single deal I do, I'm like, wow, that is so much money. Like, <laughs> this is a, How am I going to do this deal? Right? Like every single deal I do this because you know, the first deal we ever did was 15.9 million. Now the deals we do are a hundred plus million. And so it's like, you know, you're just adding a zero. It's not all that different. And I know that sounds like cheeky to say, but you're, it's just one more zero. And if you've done one, then you can do bigger and larger deals. And you we're consistently pushing out of our comfort zone. Uh, but the first deal I did, I did not know if we were going to actually be able to do that deal. To be quite honest with you, I cried myself to sleep every day for six weeks straight. And people think like, I'm joking. I'm like, no, I'm really serious. Like, wow. I cried every night for six weeks and I'm pretty sure I cried every day and I cried at like breakfast and at lunch. Like <laughs> basically I was taking phone calls in between when I wasn't crying. Right. Like that's how hard it was. Wow. But what happens is after you do the first one, it doesn't get easier. You just get better. Yes. Right. And so now, you know, the tears are different types of tears, right? Like they're, they're bigger deals, bigger problems. But the things that I worried about back then are not things I'm worrying about today because I've solved those problems. I've had those problems and I've solved them and I've come through on the other side. But to get into the mindset, it's really one, one thing that I think is really important is there needs to be representation at the top level. And it's because when you see someone that looks like you, sounds like you, comes from where you are, is similar to you, and you identify with them, and then you see that they've done it, you automatically now know that this is possible. For sure. Right? And Absolutely. that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. And I think, um, you know, like one really interesting moment in my life not that long ago was a couple of years ago when uh, the current vice president was elected, right, Kamala Harris. And you know, regardless of where you are politically, whether you're left, right, center, inside, outside, doesn't matter to me. But mm -hmm. what was important about that moment of her being sworn in for me was I have twin three-year-old, three and a half, they're now almost four, four-year-old daughters. And at the time, they must have been about 18 months old when she was being sworn in. And I was like, wow, this is such a monumental moment in our country's history that there is a, not just a woman, but a brown woman and or brown and black depending on who you're talking to right like she's half indian half um african-american but there's a woman that looks like us in the second highest office in the country which has never happened before and so i made it a point to watch that with my daughters and one of my daughters is watching it and she you know she's 18 months she goes look it's mama it's mama it's oh. mama at pointing to the vice president being sworn in and you know that brought me to tears because my daughters are going to have representation of something that i never saw in my whole life and it's going to be during their most formative years so i was like yeah baby she looks like mama doesn't she and that can be you one day too and now my daughters know that they can do that too, because someone's done it before that. I love that. And I saw you put a story on the other day, which I love. It wasn't the other day. It was a while ago. You yeah. were on a boat and I think you were like somewhere in Florida and there's all these beautiful houses and your kids, one of your girls was like, I want that or something. And you're like, 
you got to work, you know, like you're like, you can right, have it work one day, but you got to work hard. And yes. so I love that you're doing that for your kids. It's such a foundation that's so important. Yes. No, thank you. I, I'm really intentional with the messages that I give my daughters. I never tell them you can't do that or that's for people that aren't like us or that's for, you know, rich people. I'm like, listen, anything is possible, but you have to be willing to work for it. It is hard work not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. And I'm giving you all the tools you need to be successful. I'm handing those to you because you won the birth lottery, right? Like you were born to the right parents. I'm handing this to you. It is your responsibility to take that and do something great with it. That's so important. So many parents that have money don't do that. And then, and it just does a disservice to the child and totally the future people they deal with. But I totally agree. I don't want my kids And listen, I think whether you have money or not, if you know these things, I think one of the big differences between wealthy families and poorer families is that they do not talk about money the same way wealthy families do. They just inherently do not try to pass down those money lessons. And, you know, there's through no fault of their own. Sometimes they don't know them. They don't have the same insight. They don't think about it. They're busy. They sometimes have to work two or three jobs, right? Like, Life is hard when you don't have disposable income. So I'm not knocking that. But in everyday conversation, we look for times to be intentional about passing these lessons and these things on to our kids. I love it. Yeah. And, and I, I think just like what we say too, right? Like, and, and breaking that, I don't know what the conversation was like in your home, but I know the conversation with my parents, we never talked about money. We knew that we were fine as kids, but like even now with our two kids, like we have conversations with Stella who will be five, right? And it's like, oh, I want this. I'm like, okay, well, where's your money? You need this. Like you need to, you want to do a chore so you get money and they, they understand that it's not just all given to them, right? Yeah. I mean, and I, I do try to implement that with my daughters. You know, I tell them like, hey, mommy, daddy worked really hard for this. And you're lucky. And, you know, there are some kids that their mommies and daddies work really hard and they can't afford food. And so you can't take this for granted. You know, we're very blessed. We're very lucky. And yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, in our house, my parents were probably a little bit more open discussing money than most families were, but they still, like, I don't think I ever knew how much my dad made until I was applying for FAFSA for college. And I had to fill it out. And I think that was the first time I found out. That was the first time I found out about my parents too, because you had to do your college application. I was like, yep. oh, wow. Yeah. I love that comment that Mario just put up there because I say this all the time. Like my parents, I'm I'm second generation. My parents are the first generation that immigrated here in 1980. And back then, you know, there was no internet. There was no FaceTime. They were writing letters back and forth to their family. They left everything they knew their home country, they left all their friends, their family, their safety net to come here to give my sister and I a better opportunity. And, you know, I was born here, so they didn't actually even know who we were. They was just like their future children. And so I feel this really big sense of responsibility to take that chance and that opportunity and then grow that and scale that and do something better. Because otherwise it would have been for nothing. We could have just had you know, an average life in India too. And we would have been fine happy, but I just feel like we were given such a big opportunity that a lot of people don't get. For sure. 
It's, yeah. it's so important. And yeah. I wanted to say, to touch on something else that you said, you were talking about how you you showed your kids, like, I can see, you can see someone else like you doing something. It makes it so much easier. And for those of you yeah. that don't know, Vina, um, I've only seen one other person do this. It's Pace. Vina has a community of people that she mm. goes in on Facebook. I'll put the link for it. She is she is helping everyone. She is actually, it's not like a team member or somebody running that yeah, community. <laughs> Vina is in there holding Zooms, answering questions, bringing people up, helping them. So um, that's, I. Yeah. so many people in your position do not do that. Pace is one that does it. And I see that you're really following, you know, how Pace does it. It yeah. is huge for helping people. Yeah. Giving back. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's a labor of love. Um, it's something, you know, I'm trying to think of all the things I wish I had known, or I had someone to tell me when I started and I'm trying to pass it on to you. And I'll tell you, Pace is, you know, I already have spoken so highly of him, but he is somebody who's truly changed my life in ways I can't even detail out. But one of the biggest impacts that he has made is to really advocate for me starting this community and really focusing on building the community of helping each other, of working together, of sharing knowledge, because a rising tide lifts all boats. And I mean, you're exactly right. Everything that I do, people are like, how did you figure this out? I'm like, I didn't. I literally was like, what did Pace do today? Okay, VM, this is what you're doing today, right? Like, <laughs> literally, I copy him, like, shamelessly copy him. Love it. Do it. And, th and that's what he does. He does that. He's changed all of our lives. I'm a sub two student. And I, he, like he, and I just see you doing that, like just going and changing the world. It's so, it's so important. And you're, you're rising and you're bringing people up with you. And, um, so this is, that's like the biggest compliment anybody gives me is when they're like, oh my gosh, you remind me of Pace Morby. I'm like, amazing. I want to be the Vina Jetty of Pace Morby. And like, <laughs> you are, Vina Jetty and Pace Morby for sure. Yeah. In the league of your own. So, yeah, that's awesome. It's the only way to do it. It is. Yeah. So when you first, like, how did you get started? Because you will, you were like all of us, or you were obviously crying in between phone calls. Like, yeah. what, how yeah. did you get started? Because you all had to start, so everyone starts somewhere. How did you get started? Yeah. So I actually started in single family, which a lot of people don't know about me because I only talk about mm -hmm. multifamily because, I mean, quite frankly, if I try to give you any kind of insight on single family, it would be so disingenuous because the market has changed so much in like the last decade. I have no idea what I'm talking about, right? Like I know enough to be dangerous, but I did start in single family. I thought I was going to just like keep buying houses because that's what my mom did. She bought single family homes. She was an investor. And I was like, okay, this is how we're going to, you know, run our business and we'll just keep scaling. And I was like, you know, I had the audacity to wonder what it would look like if we wanted to own 10,000 units. And I was like, I, if I'm buying five units a week, which was the busiest week I had, I was buying five units. If I'm buying five units a week, how can I possibly get to 10,000 units? Even if I found five deals a week, I wanted to buy, right? It's just, it, the scale wasn't there. And so in realizing that there was no scale there, I was like, okay, what I actually need to do is I need to be looking to how to get to a bigger acquisition size all at once. 
So today we buy units that are, you know, 200 and up um, with a heavy preference to like three and 400 units. So now I can buy in one transaction 500 units, which if, even if I bought five houses a week, I would get to that at the end of a whole entire year. So that's where I started moving into multifamily because I wanted to get to that scale. Now, the secret to getting to scale quickly is to find partners, right? So you need partners who are going to come in and bring the skill sets that you lack that are going to take to that next level that are going to help you do these deals. Because these are big deals. It's very hard to close 500 units all by yourself. So you need a great team. You need a power team around you. And partnership is absolutely the best way to do that with the right partners. Like huge caveat, yeah. got to be the right partners. <laughs> It's all about, that's one thing that um, Pace always tells us too, and I know you say it a lot, is you can't go anywhere alone. You need people to go light speed. And so, and partners, and and you have started, so you started Vive Funds and you're also a capital raiser. Um, So so there's like a very specific implication of capital raising. I do not just raise capital because I'm not a broker dealer. So I, part of my role and function is raising capital, but I play, I'm a, I'm a GP on our deal. So we own and operate everything. And then my JV partner and I, we kind of, um, we divide out all of the roles and job functions. So for example, like PPMs, I handle all of those. Uh, I handle all of like the tax side. I handle the structure side. I handle the, the strategic side of our acquisitions. Um, and then obviously post-close, I'm ha- handling the strategy on that. And then in addition to that, it's, you know, raising capital, uh, lining up the capital stack, making sure it's as efficient as possible, uh, getting out investor communication, marketing, all of that stuff falls in, under my purview. Amazing. Uh, so when, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, so when you're partnering with people on deals, what are they bringing to the table? Because it sounds like you and your team cover a lot. We do. And we actually are fully functional cradle to grave. So we can take on a project from A to Z. Uh, We don't because one, I love my JV partner. She's amazing. I love working with her. I want to continue partnering with her. And if it's not broke, why fix it? Right. Um, So depending on the deal, we may have slightly different roles and functions, but generally on the deals that we've done together and we've done a lot of deals like 500 million, 400 million, something like that together. Um, And on those deals, she will usually, she'll source and find the deal. Um, negotiation on PSA, usually she'll handle, but there's some amount of collaboration that will happen there. Um, and then she handles the debt side usually. Obviously, all of these things don't happen in a silo though, right? Like she's right. the queen of her castle, I'm the queen of my castle, mm-hmm. but we still need to check in with each other because the left hand has to know what the right hand is doing. So there's constant collaboration and communication on every major decision that's made smaller decisions you know we'll just make those and move on with it but if it's something major we're both collaborating and making sure that okay this fits to all the things you need and this fits to all the things you need because it's like trying to put a round peg in a square hole wait is that right is that a square peg in a round hole i never know yeah one of them and so it's like trying to find where this like little intersectionality exists where everything lines up perfectly so um post-close day-to-day asset management we have an asset manager she oversees the asset manager to handle that so depending on the deal and the functions we kind of separate generally the same but there's always overlap um 
you know, when she's out of the office, I have to step in and handle certain things. When I'm out of the office, she steps in and handles it. So we collaborate really well, which is what I love about partnering with her too. So what are, when you, cause you are, you both raise capital, right? So what, what yeah. are the, what are the keys to raising capital? Like, how do you guys do it? Is there a secret sauce? Oh, there's so many secret sauces in, involved in this. We've like <laughs> made a whole entire recipe now. Uh, so the first thing that I tell everybody that's new is do not wait until you have a deal to start having those conversations with your investors and lining up that capital. So many new investors will go, but I don't have a deal. I can't raise the capital. I mean, of course you can't raise the capital. You can't bring the capital into your accounts without proper documentation and paperwork, but you can start having those conversations with investors. You can start asking them like, Hey, these are the types of projects we talk. Would you be interested if something comes up like that? You need to do that before you have a deal. Once you have a deal, it's way too late. It's way too late to go out and create those relationships because this is a relationship business. So create strong relationships. Um, also do what you say you're going to do. If you tell them, I'm going to send you something in 24 hours, Send them whatever it is in 24 hours. Be consistent because that's how you really establish your credibility. You establish trust and be transparent there. I always tell people we deliver good news fast and bad news faster. And it's really hard to get into the mindset of doing that, especially when you're newer or even when you're not newer, no one wants to deliver bad news to investors. But the no. thing is, the faster you do it, the more your investors will appreciate you and the more you'll establish trust with them. Sure. I think the other thing too that you do really well, even you know when you're not actively raising capital, you're always talking about it so that people are very aware that you know there are future deals coming as well, yes. right? Always. Yeah. Yep. Always yeah. raising that capital, especially yeah. between deals. Yeah. Yeah. I found like, even for myself, like even just like posting on Instagram and seeing who reacts like with those posts, with those stories, you can oh. always be building your investor list. And you know, however you, even if you're just getting started and it's a Google sheet, right. I'm, I'm sure you don't use Google sheets, but <laughs> um, we, we used to, we used to, that right? was actually how we started. And you know, we still use them sometimes because sometimes it's the best way to do it. Yeah. But just, but just tracking. So there's that follow up, right? It's totally. the same when you're trying to get the deal and, you know, you're consistently following up with brokers and establishing that relationship. It's Absolutely. the exact same when you're um, doing it with investors. And I'm sure Absolutely. you can speak to this too. I know a lot of people when they ask me, they're like, oh, I just don't want to ask people for their money. I'm like, I don't see it like that. I am providing them an opportunity to accelerate the growth of their money. Yes, yes. Um, and I think that's so important is changing your mindset from I am trying to get money from you to I am presenting you with an opportunity. Yes. So right? Good. Those are two different mindsets, but they're both around asking friends and family for money. Yeah. I love like that. you're not asking them for money to go and buy a Ferrari. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I don't know, maybe you're syndicating a Ferrari and you're going to tear it. You know, <laughs> but, but generally you're not asking them for money that you're going to go and just like blow it all to like fund a lifestyle. You're asking them to, if they want to be participants and partners on an opportunity that you have. Yeah. And That's so important. Family's life, right? Yeah. To change the mindset on that. You just, it's the same thing. It's just a paradigm shift of, of how you look at it. 
for sure. Um, yeah, and, and that's exactly what it is. It's this, a lot of, most of this game is really getting into the right mindset and being around the right people and being in the right rooms. It's not actually the, how difficult real estate is because it's not very different from any other asset class. It's it's not. And um, I, we follow someone that you are partnering with and it's just uh, like Kayla Craft. We follow, I followed I her forever. Her. And then she's we're amazing. like, Vina and Kayla, what, she's getting into real, she knows Vina. And so like, it's yep. just, she was just like, she started out helping mothers get their own mommy millionaire club yep. is what it was. And, you know, and she's yep. grown and she's grown. And it just goes to show like, I love what you said. It's not like it's, it's getting in the right rooms, getting around the right people, yep. knowing everything and yes. you can do whatever. It's so true. And, you know, being in the right rooms, like I'm, I'm like, wow, how did I get so lucky that I get to know these people that like, I can pick up my phone and text them or call them. Like, how is this my life right now? It's insane. It's insane because you know what people like Kayla have taught me is there needs to be a space for everybody, right? And she's carved out this like super niche space that she really grew in. And it never occurred to me that this would be a space that someone would need to be spoken to and would need that sense of community, which is what she really did. And, you know, she has empowered so many women to make better financial decisions, to make better business decisions. And I just think anytime that there's a woman that is doing that for other women, it's incredible. And I always want to support that mission. And I, I love that she is now just taking it to the next level. She's moving more into like the private equity space and it's amazing. I love yeah. that. It's so cool. And that's what one of our goals are too, is just to get help women get in the right places. And for example, last April, you spoke at the Clever Summit. That's where I first yes. learned about Vina. I had no idea who Vina was. This was last April. I had no idea who Vina was. I had no idea. I kind of know who Pace yeah. was. And because I got in the right rooms, like I'm working with Pace and oh my God, it. Vina Jetty is talking to me on a podcast. Like just <laughs> like, what is this? Like, like how lucky are we? I feel lucky that I'm talking to you guys on a podcast. <laughs> <I love> like, it. <laughs> it's so cool to see how many women are out there and just like killing it and doing amazing. And I love it when I get to connect with people who are like-minded. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'll say a year ago, I didn't even know that there were all these people out there that are my potential partners and my friends. I just haven't met them yet. And I'm so excited about that was like the best opportunity that those types of rooms presented me is being able to connect sure. with powerful people. It's Absolutely. so for sure. For sure. Yeah. It'll just, it just makes you go light speed when you just connect yes. with people yeah. and you have the right totally. people and the right attitudes. And you're just like, let's just go get it. A hundred percent. I love it. hundred percent. Love it. Um, so when you, so when you, speaking of that, like, so you got, when you, when you, how did you, when you get started, get into those rooms? Like what, um, like, I know that you have transacted over $900 million of real estate. Like, yeah. how did that, how did that happen? How did Vina get there? It, yeah, it is. It, it's crazy because I think back on it and this is easily the biggest mistake I ever made in my whole career looking back 
I never paid for mentorship. I never paid for like VIPs or anything like that because I didn't realize what was behind those paywalls. And so what I did was I earned my way into these rooms, right? Like I got to a certain level. I transacted on a certain number of deals. And, you know, honestly, I didn't even tell anybody about it. I, you know how I ended up on the Clever Summit stage. I actually spoke the year before that too, but it was virtual because it was still in the middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. And so there weren't like people in person there, whatever. But I met Cody Sperber in a clubhouse room, like, you know, the app clubhouse. Oh yeah. What? And they were hosting a room. It was something about like real estate, whatever. And I didn't know who they were. So I went into, I went into the room on clubhouse and him and Cole Hatter were talking and they were like saying something about multifamily. And I don't remember who it was, but somebody pulled me up on stage. And at that time, I don't know how Clubhouse is now, but at that time, if you were on stage, then you could speak. So someone pulled me up on stage to add to the discussion. And I can't remember what they said, but someone said something. And, you know, like I'm a little bit sassy and I have like an opinion about everything. So I was like, that's not quite right. And they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, blah, 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 blah. And I like, you know, we professionally sparred a little bit, which is always really cool because it makes you better. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we were kind of like, we, and it was very respectful discussion. It was just, we had slightly different approaches. And I was like, oh, this is kind of important for people to see that two operators can have totally different viewpoints on something and neither is wrong. They're just different. Mm -hmm. And so then Cody and Cole immediately start talking at me at the same time. And I'm like, I don't know what either of you is saying to me right now. And they were like, okay, Vina, we have, uh, this is actually a funny story. So they're like, we have this event in Dallas, which I live in Dallas. And they're like, we have this event in Dallas this weekend. It's at this private mansion with like a private chef. And we would like really love for you to come and join us and be our guest at that. And just, you know, meet everybody. It's all like really amazing entrepreneurs, whatever. And I was like, this sounds like you're trying to sex traffic me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, okay. It's like a private house with like a private chef and like, okay. Random weirdos from Clubhouse. Oh my God. I love it. Two dudes on Clubhouse. Yeah. I'm like, no, you guys immediately sound shady to me. Right. So I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm already committed. It's the middle of COVID. I live in Dallas. Like literally no one is doing anything. <laughs> oh my so God. Why? They're like, no, it'll be really great. And I was like, why are you trying so hard? I will not be sex traffic, you know, so like, oh, I <laughs> I it, it. whatever. And then Cody's like, listen, I host Clever Summit. We're always looking for like badass women to put on stage. It's obvious that you are like the best of the best multifamily would love to have you on stage. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, email my admin, whatever, because I don't know if you guys were on Clubhouse in the beginning days, but back then, like everybody was like, oh, I have this event. You have to come speak at it. And I was like, I'm not getting on a plane right now. Like the world is collapsing. I am not flying. No. So I wasn't going to do it. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, email my admin. I'll be fine. And then they emailed and his admin, Nikki, who I adore, is like, mm-hmm. you know, it's really great if you come, whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll see about my schedule. And then I had multiple friends of mine. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this guy, clever investor, Cody Sperber, was like, come speak at my stage. And I was like, it's weird. I'm not going to do it. This 
whole like <laughs> weird sex trafficking thing happened, right? I love and that. I, it was a few of our mutual friends that were like, you don't know who Cody Sperber is? And I was like, no, should I? And to be fair, like I was dating back before people like looked you up online, you know, so <laughs> I never really came from that world of like verifying everybody it wasn't in my blood to do it. And so I never thought to verify somebody who was inviting me to a conference to see who they were. And so they were like, go look him up and then go take that invitation. So I was like, okay. So I like look him up and like, okay, he looks like a guy who has a really amazing following, whatever. He puts out a lot of content. And I was like, all right, if so many of my friends that I trust are like, go to do this, I should just go do it. YOLO, right? So <laughs> I did not go to the Dallas event, which ended up being the hundred million in marathon, which, oh my gosh, I would love oh. to have been in that room now. Oh my gosh. Uh, but you know, this is why now I try to say yes more often than I say no, because I never know what I'm passing up. Um, but then I ended up going to Clever and I, I went in person, but it was a virtual conference. This is almost three years ago now, two years ago. When was Clever in Vegas? Last year? It was yeah. last April. Yes. Okay. So this was like three years ago. So not last year, the year before. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I went, I did it. I really got to know Cody and Cole. They're amazing. Okay. I do a lot of their multifamily fulfillment calls to help their communities grow. And, you know, it was just, it was a great story. And I can't even remember why I started telling you this story, but it's because like <laughs> I love it that you, I don't know. I don't even remember why either, but it was, it was awesome. I know like we were at clever and I didn't know Jen yet. Just like you were saying, say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. I met Jen in Cody's and Cole's yep. mastermind, but yep. um, Jen and I are like, we had gone back and talked about it. And I, I saw Colleen said the same thing. She's like, yeah, when we were at clever, there was not, there was two women on stage. It was just, yeah. you and I can't remember. Her Amy Majori. Yes. It was Amy her. Majority. Yeah. It was you it was too. And so Jen and I are like, we are going to, we would love to get, like anyone can come, but like all female speakers to be like, this is how you, do well, you can have male too, but the majority, cool. you know? So there's, why not? yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Why not? I mean, look, diversity doesn't mean that no men are allowed in these spaces. No. It just no. means that women deserve a seat at the table too. Yeah. Yes. That's all that means. It's so true. If you think about it, like the people that have changed my life the most have been men, right? Like Cody Sperber opened this whole new door for me that I didn't even know existed. It's not like I was trying to get in the door and I, I needed someone to open it. He was like, hey, Vina, there is a whole door here that you have never seen before. Let me show you where it is. Let me open it. Let me hold your hand and walk through it with you, right? Like that's what he did for me. And Case Morby was a result of Cody Sperber, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like he is the one that introduced me to Pace Morby and I've done so many things with Pace. Like we, he has made so much better. I think he would say probably the same thing. He's said it many times, but we make each other better. And it's because of Cody's introduction. And so being in those rooms is just so important for anybody out there. Like the way to get in these rooms, if you don't have the track record and you don't want to take the slow, long route there like I did, cut the check to be in VIP. For go sure. meet the speakers, go meet your partners in those rooms because the other people that cut the check to be in VIP, those are your people. Those are the people that want to also invest in themselves and be better and they've taken action. Those are the people you want to be around. 
Absolutely. I did. I paid for the VIP at Clever and that's how I got to know Pace. I think we talked. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it was it, worth it. It's amazing. It was so worth it. Yes. Um, yes. And um, it's, it's, and that's someone just put in here that I think it's women keynote speakers count for 30%. So we're like, that's what Jen and I are wanting to do is put together, like get these powerhouse women. I'm not saying Pace and Cody and Jamil, they can come, but we need more women. I was telling Laura the same thing, Laura Pace's wife. More of you. Yes. And she's like, I love it. Just be real. And so I just, it's just so amazing what everyone's. I agree. And I would even, I would be shocked if in real estate specifically, there were 30% of speakers that were women, like in real estate. It is very, there are so many times I am on a stage where I'm one of like two or three women. And there's, I I remember an event they asked me to speak at in October and there were, or sorry, in December, there were 27 speakers. Nine of them were keynotes. Of all the keynotes, not a single one was a woman. And of all the panelists, there were I was the fourth woman they were asking and they asked me to be on a women's panel. And I said, great. What other panels am I speaking on? And they go, no, we just need the women's panel. No, that is checking a box, right? That's like, oh, we'll give them their little cute corners so that they can have their women's panel and that's all they can contribute. And I was like, you know, and they gave me the excuse like, oh, well, the metrics to be on our stage are really high. The qualifications are really high. And I said, okay, what are the qualifications? They're like, you had to have raised a hundred million dollars. And I said, okay, like this year. And he was like, <laughs> no, ever. And I was like, I will have raised $118 million by the close of this year. At that time we had projects. One of them ended up pulling out of escrow, but I was like, that's your bar. You should be giving me the longest keynote speech ever because yes. of everybody here. I think I've raised the most capital. I love it. And so I'm like, and I told him, I was like, listen, you don't need to put me as a keynote speaker. You don't need to put, and this is not for me. This is saying that you need to have women. So it can be any other woman. That's fine too. But someone needs to be there. And I'm happy to help and like to add that diversity, but it, it can't be just me. I can't do this all alone. I can't represent women all the time. No. Right. Yeah. I have to be, I have to be one of many women. And so I will say Pace and Cody they are the first ones to recognize that need for diversity. And they're the first ones to actually take action to resolving that. And so anyone that's organizing conferences and stuff, look to them for examples of how yeah. they practice what they preach. Not It's not lip service with them. Yeah. And you know, Pace only hires women. He's like, women he get women. stuff done. He's like, call me sexist. He's like, women get stuff done. They're, they're, they're more motherly. They're like more, you know, it's just like, they're kinder. It's, you know, yeah. so he just mothers. says we're better. Yeah. We are better. <laughs> At least, I mean, I'm not saying that, but I'm not going to argue if you're going to say someone it, right? else does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know. I just really want to say thank you for your time. I want to be respectful oh, of your time as well. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. I appreciate um, you guys. We thank would you love to have you on again sometime. A hundred percent. We will do that. Will you be on our all women, not all women, but majority yes. women? We want, we'll do that one day. 1,000%. So. Your we women you. focused event. Yeah, there women focused. Yeah. Men are invited. I would be, th- yeah, I, you know what I say? Not a man is bashing. The people who belong in these spaces are women, 
and men that support women. So I, and I say this to the men around me, when I speak on stages and I'm the only woman or I'm one of two women and I say something and they're like, yeah, there's no women. I'm like, why didn't you say anything to the organizers? And they're like, well, I, I'm like, no, your voice is way more powerful. You should be speaking up when they ask you, you should be asking them which women and which minorities are speaking on these stages because you should be making conference organizers aware that your brand depends on diversity. If you're going to say it, then you got to be about it and you got to actually do this. So it takes everybody to make this collective change. It does. Yeah. Well, we love you and we appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking the time. And thank you. Have Have a a great day. Thank you for having me. I look forward for our next call. Yes. Me too. Amazing. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.